Welcome to the Your First Rental Podcast. No fancy introductions. We just get straight into it to the platinum content. Happy to have a guest today. Yes, it is a doctor. We try to avoid that, but hey, there's a lot of doctors out there. Happy to have my friend Chris on the podcast for the very first time. JP, thanks so much for having me. I've got to tell you, I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. I've watched with great interest your surgical career and now your real estate empire that you're building. Just want to say thanks so much for having me. All right, great to have you. We are going to get straight into it. Chris, you have been a real estate investor in many different, on many different fronts. And let's start out, just tell us how you got into it, your first deal, and whether it was a deal or not, it ended up being a deal. And then uh, let's go into, we definitely want to talk about your commercial deal because that was a homer. But tell us about your first real estate purchase and how that became an investment. Yeah, I think that's a really thoughtful question. So I bought my first house in Savannah, Georgia, in 2006, uh, really right at the height of kind of the HGTV house flipping area. And I had never moved away from Missouri before, so I wanted to buy something turnkey at that point uh, for myself because I was going to be in Savannah for at least five years at that point. So, you know, looking at renting versus buying, I thought buying would be a better way to go. Um, I got a 5-1 arm from Bank of America on a 3-2 property in really kind of a Class C neighborhood at that point. Um, and I bought that house for $134,900. And I think I put $5,000 down that I had borrowed from my mom and dad at that point. Thanks, Mom. And You paid it back? Yeah, I paid it back. Do you remember the interest rate? I think it was like 5% at that Five six percent at that time. I think I was at five point three. Yeah, and I had a five one arm. And, and I remember they were giving houses away. Yeah, it was it was quite a time. So at that point, I was looking around. So I think my note at that point with PITI was about nine hundred dollars a month, and so my pay at that point in time as a resident I think was about forty thousand dollars a year. So it was a little tight. Uh, however, I looked around and I found a roommate and I charged her $500 a month. So you're ha house hacking right away. Absolutely. But you didn't know it was house hacking. No, I just you didn't even call it that. No, I don't think it was invented at that point in time. Yeah, I, I mean, old school, we just had roommates to help us pay the pay And the she note. paid 500 500 Any Any utilities? No, I just made it easy. Okay, I mean, so, wow, we, we're both deal. working people. Yeah. We were both almost never there. I was good almost tenant. never there. Good tenant. Always paid her, you know, her money on time. It was great. Very easy. Did you have an, a, a formal lease? No. Oh, a handshake. Handshake lease. Um, house hacking. I love it. So you were house hacking just instinctively. Correct. And you lived there five years. Yeah, so I had her for about a year and a half, and then at that point in time, you know, circumstances had changed. Um, I was getting married, and, you know, my wife at the time did not want a roommate in the house, and I thought that was pretty reasonable. So then that roommate moved out, and then you didn't house hack anymore? No, didn't you just house hack anymore, but at that point in time, you know, I was married, so we had two, oh, two incomes, two incomes pay for the coming note. in at that point, yeah. So Do you remember what your take home was in in your first couple years of residency? 
I think it was like $1,200 every two weeks. Yeah, so you're spending, uh, what is that? 2400 you're spending 40 percent third, third on third to not quite 40 percent on housing housing okay that's that's reasonable isn't it uh you know it was it was more than it sh- than i should have spent yeah however whenever i had a roommate it was very doable at that point yeah because then you're only spending like less, less than a quarter correct yeah or 20 percent okay so then you live there for five years paying it down paying it down but then and and this is that we pride ourselves on this. We don't just tell happy stories. We're not the buy a rental retire tomorrow podcast. Oh, I wish. So at that point in time, I spent my five years in Savannah, and then I moved to Dallas, Texas, and then I found a property management company to rent it out uh, for the next several years. So that was 2011 through I think 2017. You rented it out for six years. Yes. You know, so it, over the course of that time, I had to replace the roof. That cost about $12,000 to replace the entire roof. Mm. And I will tell you, that hurt my feelings because, you know, I w- think I was renting the house out for nine fifty a month. Okay. To nine seventy eight. So Reasonable. there were occasional rent bumps along the way, about 3% rent bumps. But at that point in time, you know, yeah, I was, quote, cash flowing $100, $150 a month, but yeah. a twelve thousand dollar fix I mean wipes out yeah. more than a you know a year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean multiple years of income at that point. And who owned it? Were was it an LLC or you you and just a just you? No, it was just me at that point. Okay, so you were. Uh, how were you getting taxed on it? Just. Um, I was just that was just coming through on my own personal income yeah. tax. Yeah, so it was you were showing some losses at least. Yeah, you know, depreciation yeah. and, you know, my housing interest or mortgage yeah, interest. Yeah, mortgage was interest, off. all these expenses. Were you expensing stuff at that time or you were, I mean, no, fellow salaries not? I was uh, not savvy enough at that point in time to do that. Yeah. And then. And so the I benefits aren't really there for a guy making 3000 bucks a month. No. So I kept it through my initial two years in Dallas and then I moved down to San Antonio and I was in San Antonio Texas for another year and a half and then I moved back to Savannah uh, to take a job there and I moved into a different house and the whole time I was just paying down the note on my initial house did you have to have to go back and upkeep see it well now you were living in the same town yeah at that point I was living in the same town and I would drive by it about once a quarter just to go look but was it a good tenant yeah, good tenant. You know, she was a nurse over at one of the hospitals that I worked at. Um, I did not know her personally, but yeah. the checks came in like clockwork. And the management company charged how much? They charged, I got to think about that one, but I think it was $90 a month plus okay. like another like $50 on top of that. So about $140 a month on, uh, I think at that point in time, 978 So I think it was a little yeah. over 10%. Yeah, that's over 10%. I mean, before before you talk about it any more, tell us as you were growing up. You grew up as a boy in Montco- Montgomery County, Missouri. Did you ever have any real estate experience? Or what? I mean, what kind of tell us about how you got to that point? Because we didn't go into that. No. So you know, my mother was a homemaker, and then she became a licensed practical nurse or an LPN, and then my dad was a feed packer at a Purina in my hometown. 
So no real estate agents in your family, you know. Yeah, at that point in time, no. Um, my grandfather on my dad's side uh, worked as a farmer for a dairy co-op. And then on the my mother's side, he ran one of the grain elevators in town and was also a farmer. And so a little bit of business, but that you know, kind of information and knowledge did not make its way down to me. So yeah. I always just knew that I was going to be a, a professional. And uh, this was before the era of podcasts, bigger pockets, you know, all the rest. Correct. This was a, a different time before cell phones. So then uh, tell us about the sale and what you made or didn't make on this venture. Right. So. At that point in time, I left Savannah and moved back to San Antonio in May of 17. So I kept renting out that property, my first rental, for another eight, nine months. And then I ended up selling it to my renter at that point in time. Um, I had initially bought the house for one thirty four nine, had paid the note down, I want to say to like 98000 And that may be a little bit too much. The details are a little hazy at that point in time. But I actually had to come to the table with about $9,000 to actually sell the home at that point because she did not have enough money to cover the whole note. Um, so I had to do what technically would have been considered a short sale. But to make the bank whole, I came in with about $9,000 to complete Wait, the sale. What was the sale price? I think it, the house only appraised for one fourteen. So you sold if you sold it for one fifteen, but you had to make up the I had to make up the difference to make the so she got it for one oh five. Yeah, one oh five, one oh one, somewhere in there. Do you ever uh, just out of curiosity look on Zillow right now and see what the house is? Why are you gonna do that to me, JP? I have you just. I, do you ever do that? I have, and I will tell you the most recent thing that I saw on Zillow, and you can take that for what it's worth. But it was about two hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars. It's depressing, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of those things <laughs> that every time that I sell a property, yeah. I kick myself. I'm like, oh, I wish I would have figured out a way to hold on to it. You know, I have other properties that I have bought and sold, and you know, had I known then what I know now, yeah. I would have come up with different ways to hold on to those properties. Um, I think we'll get into my larger property because in Savannah because that one is actually also pretty interesting. But we can get into that at a different time if you wish. So are you uh, – so little nugget. If people have a takeaway point from the podcast, would it be never sell? I don't think so. I don't think a blanket statement like never sell is, you know, good advice for everyone. Yeah. You know, it depends on what your goals are, you know, the individual person. And I mean, certainly, you know, whenever we end up talking about my commercial properties, it was wise to sell at that point in time. Yeah. But I think just the the beauty of real estate is it's not it's not quick, but over time it it will be good oh i agree 100 percent. you know cash flow is i think a defensive metric a lot of the time right if you have enough cash flow then that will help pay for the property in good times and bad times while you yeah. let inflation and 
time take its course and you get appreciation. Yeah, I think if you're cash flowing, you've probably got a really good deal on it somewhere. Or and I congratulations to everybody that cash flows. Um, like you say, it's a it's a defense. What do you mean by that? It's a defensive metric. So a defensive metric in my mind. So if you have cash flow, cash flow will allow you to keep the property, you know, and pay the note down, whatnot. So if you're paying your, you know, PITI, if you are paying, you know, for repairs, capital expenditures, rehab, all those sorts of things, and you're still able to cash flow a hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars a month. You know, if you don't need to touch that money, I would say don't touch it. Get your reserves. And then at that point in time, if you have extra after you've, you know, saved your reserves, then at that point in time, you go and you reinvest it however you see fit. But if you're negative cash flow and you're just kind of gambling on appreciation, I think that that is really kind of a foolhardy uh, problem. Yeah. I mean, a lot of uh, just cash flowing is tough. I don't I don't know. Uh, people on Instagram, even bigger pockets, they make it sound easy, like every property cash flows, but it's it's tough to make things really cash flow because one one roof expense, and you ain't cash flowing for quite some time. Yeah. So, okay, I, I do want to hear tell the listeners about your Savannah property because I do think that's interesting, just as a as a transaction and and. Um, it's actually an interesting, it was an interesting house. Tell us about that one. Yeah. So after I moved back to Savannah back in 2014, I bought a house in the historic district, which I'll tell you, if you ever get a chance to visit Savannah, Georgia, put it high on your list because it's one of the most beautiful places in America. That being said, the property itself was, well, geez, built in 1868. So, uh, just after the civil war near Forsyth park. Um, it was a uh, Victorian Italian eight. It was 5,000 square feet. It was way, way too big and way too expensive for a single guy. But so I went ahead and pulled the trigger anyway. But you, so now, uh, and if people don't know, uh, you, d- you did your residency in Savannah and then you went and did what's called a fellowship, which is two more years of mm-hmm. training. And then now you're a full blown vascular surgeon working for a hospital making what you thought was and, and was objectively a lot of money mm-hmm. and you decided to buy this house. Tell us about the deal. Right. So it was 5,000 square feet. I don't remember exactly how many beds and baths, but it was like five beds and four baths with an elevator or a courtyard. It was incredible. Um, I bought it for 1.075 million um, with a physician directed loan. Um, and I think my interest rate was at like 3.8 percent. How much? Um, how how much did you have to put down? I put down twelve thousand dollars. So that would be what one percent? Uh, yeah, about one percent. You had to bring in one percent to the table. Okay, and that you had just saved up over time. Correct from your from your wages. Physician directed loan. Wow, I don't think you could get that these days. No. On a no, $1 million dollar property. No, you're definitely not getting that these days. I wish. Okay, so you bring 12000 to the table, which is just outrageous. And you have a one point what million dollar property? Uh, just say 1.1. 1. 1. It was 1.075. 1. 1. Okay, so then 
No, you you brought point one percent. No, ten thousand dollars is one percent of a million. Okay, so you br- you brought one percent to the table. Yep. And you now <laughs> own a million dollar house as a single vascular surgeon man about town. I do remember thinking that was insane. I don't think I ever visited this house. I never saw it. What? I saw pictures of it. I don't think I ever was in this house. No, you missed out. Okay, so how long did you live in this house? So I lived in that house from November of 14 through May of 17. November 14 through, so you owned it for a little less, less than three years? Well, I ended up owning it for longer than that. I ended up selling it in November, October, November of 17. So I held so it for three years. Yeah, so you had it for three years. And can you tell us what you sold it for? Yeah, I sold it, I think, for like $1.1 million, like right at what I bought it for. Oh, okay. Um, the people that were in kind of the house attached to mine, because it's kind of a mirror image of each other, uh, they were running the McMillan Inn, really nice guys, um, great family. You know, if you had a chance to visit Savannah and go to McMillan Inn, I highly recommend you do so. But they wanted to expand their operation, and it was really a, a really nice fit because they could knock down the courtyard wall and really expand out uh, their kitchen services and expand you know their beds and baths. Um, however, you know they had to go through the standard SBA loan, and the SBA would only, I think, give them like nine hundred thousand or eight hundred thousand. Um, so then that would have created a short sale deal. So what we ended up doing is I dropped my price on the house down to where they could afford it with their SBA loan. And then what we did at that point in time is we, um, I offered them up a second note, I think for whatever the, the difference was, I want to say it was 300,000, but don't hold me to that. And so essentially at a year it was like interest only. And then we did... After that, they had to pay the rest of the note over the course of like the next three years to me. So the total, what you got from the sale, the total was eight hundred thousand or one point four million. No, I got the one point one. Okay. So, but I dropped my price to them to so eight hundred to eight hundred, and then you got three hundred thousand. And then I got three hundred as a second note. Ah, but you you got one point one. Yeah, essentially, I, I went in and so got the exact same amount out. Okay. Do you ever look at what that's worth? John, why are you trying to hurt me? <laughs> so I have, um, if you go from a square foot standpoint on comparable properties in Savannah, because I still have a large interest in Savannah, and I'm going to get back into that market at some point in time. Um, I think whenever I bought the house, you guys can do the math, but it was essentially, I think, We'll just call it 1.1 million divided by 5,000 square feet. That's at 220 a square foot. Uh, currently, those houses are going for about 350 to 400 a square foot in Savannah. So the house today would be worth 350 times 5,000, uh, easily 1.75, and probably you know I probably 2 million. Yeah, I mean I've seen this thing. I've seen pictures of this thing. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. It's amazing. Right? There's I've no reason a single person should have been living there. Oh, absolutely not. I thought I was going to put a bowling alley downstairs. 
you you yeah, I remember you seriously considered a bowling alley. Well, my dad is in the bowling hall of fame, John. Uh, no, no single man should live in a house. But then, you uh, you you just came out even on the deal. Got depreciation for all those years. How much was 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 the principal paid down? Not much, just because it's the first. Mm, no, it wasn't much on the principal pay down. Um, you know, I don't remember at that point in time, but I do remember that the insurance company, or the let me rephrase, the bank had um, severely under um, estimated how much I owed uh, and had it put into escrow each month. So my payment went from like five thousand a month to like seventy eight hundred a month. It went up like sixty percent, and I will tell you that hurt my feelings. Seventy eight hundred a month. <laughs> Not that many people can make $7,800 a month payment to live in a house, but... It was not my favorite thing, which is yeah. why I sold it. But you were also making a very good living at this time. I was doing okay for myself, yeah. So two real estate transactions, then you move, uh, and then we're going to get into your business, your your um, commercial property, commercial deal, because that, I mean, the first one was a loss. The second one kind of break even break even and then step up to the plate and then Homer city home yeah. okay we want to talk about in the next podcast but I think as we wrap up what's the one thing that you want people to know I know I know what I'm going to say and it's what I said earlier is if you can just hold on to it you got to have I mean these things don't happen over three or five years it's got to be 10 15 and yeah. Very nice. Yeah. You and I have discussed this before. I would say if, if you can find a way to hold on to a property, hold on to it until it makes economic sense to get rid of it. But if you can hold it, hold it. I mean, what could you have done? Could you have rented it out? Oh, I could have done a whole bunch of things with, yeah. that, with the the very first property. I should have just held that one. That one was easy peasy. Yeah, because squeezy. you were that making. So if you had a time machine, you just go back and say, hey, I'm not going to sell it. You just sold it to the nurse that was living there. Right. Great I deal for I her. I would have just kept that house. It was under property management. I didn't have to yeah. think about it. It yeah. was. Why did you go. sell it then if it was just. I was living in Texas as whenever I sold it yeah. and just trying to figure out Texas property taxes and, you know, Georgia taxes and whatnot. So I was yeah. just like just for ease of use, you know, but frankly speaking, at this point in time, knowing what I know now. Well, I mean, that's just a problem. I just throw a couple hundred dollars at a CPA for him. Like, hey, go figure this out. Yeah, so it just it was weighing on your mind, a little stress, and uh, you just want to get rid of it, which is, I think, perfectly fine right. if it's weighing on your mind like that. But could and have easily just kept cash and checks, get the depreciation, um, and used it against your gigantic W-2 that you had at the time. Right. And then for the second property, what I would have done is – had I found, you know, some more knowledge, you know, several years ago, um, I probably would have just leased out my property to the end next door on like a 10-year lease um, and just kept that. And then they could have, you know, done yep. the licensing, the upkeep, yep. all that. I would establish yep. a triple net lease for that property. Mm -hmm. And I would yeah. just hold on to the property and set them up like a 10, 15-year lease at that point. Yeah. If only we had a time machine. Well, we don't have a time machine, but we have knowledge and books and podcasts and YouTube. And That's we right. have your first rental. 
Okay, and then tell us your favorite real estate book or business book. I don't really have one. Okay, um, and then uh, you have a you also have a something very distinguishing about you that I just learned regarding podcasts. Oh, tell us about that. Um, so I have finished all <laughs> of the Bigger Pockets podcasts one through 788 all right david and whoever i hope you're listening <laughs> david <laughs> green and rob abasolo josh dorkin hey. and brandon turner hope you're listening he's listened to every single one all right that that's all the time we have we're going to come back again with episode with another episode with uh, chris and hear about his uh, home run deal